Welcome to the Mark Stereo Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and I's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Sterry, and I'm a 15-plus year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota Metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Sterry, that's S-T-A-R-Y, music.net. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of my original music is available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, etc. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe on iTunes. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. If you have an extra buck or two, if you wouldn't mind tossing in the podcast tip jar, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Also consider helping get the word out on the street via social media, five-star rating and review on iTunes, word of mouth, etc. Happy Thought of the Day is by my old college professor, Mark LaFeber. Pack light, travel fast, and stay adaptable. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, episode 133. Thanks to all the folks who contribute to this podcast on Patreon.com. Coming at you on a rainy but refreshing spring day here in St. Paul, Minnesota. Thought I actually heard the first rumblings of thunder this morning, but no, it was just kitty cat Coco rambling around upstairs. Excited I'm home from the weekend's shows. Last week's Geeks Wrap-Up. Wednesday, I played a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota. Eggers, Tim, Mark and Lisa, Nick Asuncion, Randy Tolan, etc. Thanks, friends, for coming out to the show. Friday, I played a solo show at Danny's in Stillwater, Minnesota. My cousin Mike passed away this week. Very sad deal. But great to see cousins Mark, Jeff, Opal, and Fred at the show coming back from the airport. Saturday, Brian K. Johnson myself rocked out at the 10th Annual Beer Cave Festival at the Nova in Hudson, Wisconsin. All these years of playing the Nova, I've never seen the caves or been to a beer fest. Neither did disappoint. What a crowd. Thanks to the Yam Band for the great sound, and good to see and hear previous podcast guest, Nikki Pepper. Saturday, Brian Johnson and myself jammed at Seven Brothers in Clayton, Wisconsin. Did an earlier-than-normal set there, and it went well. Good to see buddy Jim Turtletrot Palace is up to his usual shenanigans. Upcoming shows. Wednesday, May 2nd, 2018, I'll be playing a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Thursday, May 3rd, Brian K. Johnson and myself will be jamming at Lucky's 13 in Roseville, Minnesota from 4 to 7 p.m. Friday, May 4th, I'll be playing a solo show at Ingredients in White Bear Lake, Minnesota from 6 to 8.30 p.m. Saturday, May 5th, Mr. Brian Keith Johnson and I will be rambling on up to Breezy Point, Minnesota to rock out at JJ's Pub at Commander Bar from 5 to 9 p.m. Guest this week is part two of three with Minnesota singer-songwriter Allie Gray turning the tables and interviewing me for the podcast. We discuss Nashville, the Whiskey Roses, White Knuckle Life, etc. at Mancini's. Enjoy the conversation. Wow. 
Welcome, everybody, to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Again, this is Allie Gray, not Mark Sterry, but Mark is here because I have turned the tables and I am interviewing him about his own music and his own life as an artist. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Allie. <laughs> how, are you, how am I doing so far and how are you doing? Are you uncomfortable? Not at all. Okay, good. <laughs> not uncomfortable at all. You're so used to being on the other side. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to jam as much stuff as I can. No, there's a lot to cover. Um, and a lot of it is just I think just I haven't thought about this stuff in such a long time. Yeah. That I'm firing like those early years. They all kind of just yeah. kind of mesh together and whatever. So I'm just trying to give you as much information as the stuff you know, you're asking me about. I love as it. I can, and you know? it's stuff you know. I met you after your college. Big, big shot music guy out in the Stout, Wisconsin area. I met you after that when you moved over here. So for me, I'm more familiar with your Whiskey Roses stuff. Yes. As far as on a personal level Mm -hmm. of being your friend. We are here. We're coming at you here from Mancini's. We just got Mark's. It's called a, what is a square hammer? Square hammer. Square hammers tonight. That's right. And we're coming at you from Mancini's in St. Paul. Both, we both love it here. Oh, absolutely. Did you know that my dad's photos on the wall... Where? Uh, right around the corner. He was inducted into the uh, Mancini's Athletic Hall of Fame, if you can even imagine, from playing football at Gustavus. Wow, that's great. <laughs> you My think... favorite photo has always been that Tony Bennett one. That's right oh. Because Tony Bennett played here. I, I know. I know I'd go from rags to riches If you would only say you care Though my pocket may be empty. Pretty cool. We Out love it here. all the stuff your dad's done, that's like my favorite thing he's done. <laughs> there is some scary stuff. So let, we did talk a lot about your early years in music, but I think in this part two, I want to talk about maybe some of your, your publishing career because I, I don't know how that fully started. And then maybe we can branch into the Whiskey Roses a little bit. So Nashville publishing happened sounds like with some direction from your uncle yes okay and when you went down there first with the memory music rewind album Mm -hmm. and met some people yes so how did that turn into your publishing career because you 10 years at least yes it was a long time okay um one of the first people we met was a guy named jeff walker an australian guy that had a publishing company called aristo media okay and um, Keith Urban started there. He used to live in the back where wow. he would write songs and stuff. So I, I got, he was the first person I met down there along with a producer named Mark Moffitt. And uh, I hit a lot, they're super nice people, but I, I they, they weren't really, I didn't know, I wasn't giving him country music. I was giving this like Minnesota regional like songwriter shit. But they were very friendly. And then we met with a bunch of other different people. And I was just very persistent. Like, I really loved it down there. It was still kind of the wild, wild west days. I would say this is 2003. Okay, Um, yes. So what I did, I started writing albums. Now, I never recorded any of these. You would never have, but I actually have a ton of albums. And you can ask my uh, bunch of friends have. I wrote an album called Gold Rush. And that was 10, 11 songs that I just self-did and just released it around. Wow. Um, And then I did an album called... uh, uh, in My Head, I think. That was a pretty cool record. Um, and then I did an album called uh, Beer Can Campfire. 
Oh my gosh. And that was all country songs. And that's when stuff started going. So actually, if this gold rush, uh, John or Jeff Walker's son, John, contacted me and said he liked my stuff because I would constantly send him stuff. I would just would not say no. And then so they offered me, they wanted to sign me on an artist deal down there and they want to produce me and all kinds of stuff. And so. Yeah, I was super, super excited. And, yeah. But yeah, so I thought I was going to be this artist guy, what yeah. I always wanted to be, and then it, it fizzled out. And so my publisher uh-huh. actually told me he pulled the plug on it, but oh well. You know, they're looking, they they got some gal and a bunch of money and stuff, whatever. But in reverse, they, they let me be like be one of their writers. Okay. And so they signed me, they would sign single song contracts. Yeah. Which is... Um, They'll take it, they'll listen up, send it around, and yep. then they'll sign the rights over to it, whatever. And you get 50-50, let's say they get it placed, um, they would take 50% of the earnings or whatever. And they signed a bunch of songs right away, and I went down there for songwriting. I, then I started going on there quarterly. Okay. I was there four times a year for, take 10 years. Okay. And I go down with my buddies, make a big deal out of it, and try to make some noise around town, play some shows um, that my publishing company set up, and then... Uh, my uncle, the country uncle, was telling me about uh, my first contract I ever signed. Okay. And so I met him in Nashville and my cousin Kate, who was also a big influence on me too. And uh, he was he looked over the contract. He goes, well, this was Garth Brooks the dance. You're going to get screwed. But to get in the door, this is great. <laughs> anyway, so he, was, uh, he lo- looked it over, so it was good. So I signed the contract, whatever. And then he had some CMA meetings, a country music association meeting, and he was talking to his friends. He goes, yeah, my nephew from Twin Cities came down here and just has been hitting it and got his song signed. I didn't help him at all. Anyway, the president of Capitol Records, Mike Dungan, overheard him and said, oh, send him to me. Wow. And so that's when I had my first... Um, and then the publishing t- company took more interest in what I was doing because I had a, a audition at Capitol Records. Okay. And so that was in 2005 or six, 2005. I feel like I remember that. The, you remember the second one? Okay. We had two okay. of them. Okay. And then so I went down there by myself, or whatever I had some friends with, and then went went up to uh, uh, Mike Dungan's office and wow. played him. I was with him for over an hour playing songs. And he told me, he goes, oh, you kind of got a Neil Young thing going on. And I'd written some country pop songs. Off the, he thought they were terrible, but he liked the memory music stuff. Yeah. Um, he goes, man, just don't move down here and become one of these songwriter guys. Just keep doing your thing, you know. Wow. Which I took as cool, you know, yeah. whatever. And then we were in touch for many years. Um, but I remember when I had my first... Uh, audition at Capitol Records, my publisher, this one, they were really involved in all that stuff. Um, I was really nervous. And what they did is my, uh, the guy, Matt Heffron, was my publisher at the time. Uh, he goes, I want you to sit in the writing room right now. So I went and sat there, and he brings in this gorgeous girl. And he goes, okay, Mark, play her your songs. Shuts the door, just me and this girl. Oh, my God. <laughs> because they were trying to bust me out of my nerves. Okay. And wow. so, yeah, so I played for this girl, and it was more nerve wracking than it was playing for Dungan. Okay. So I wrote songs for him forever, and I had a couple holds. I had uh, a whole, like, it starts off with back then it did sign a con, sign over a song. Let's say a publishing company likes it. You sign over the contract. Then they pitch it around to artists and who's looking for stuff. Okay. And then an artist takes it and they put a hold on it, like no one else can record it besides them. And then after that, if they 
track it and then put it on a record, and then you can make money off that. Mine never got past the hold stage. Okay, it's so still cool. I'm sorry. It was pretty cool. That's that super time cool. was cool. I mean, uh, I worked really hard at it, though. You know, it was like I was sending songs all the time, and, and uh, that's what this beer can campfire thing was, was me trying to write these country songs. Okay. Uh, which one of them was uh, Your Dreams. I don't want to settle down Buy a house in your Wow. was off this beer can campfire record and okay. like much of my whiskey roses songs uh were off that too and then i redid them for the the whiskey roses deal but i we did crazy stuff down there trying to get noticed down in nashville on a bunch of friends and i mean i got on i tried to hunt down johnny cash died i went and saw chris christopherson's my hero and tried to run and say hi and i ran over this fox news lady and oh my gosh then they interviewed in fox news they misquote me whatever there's so many stories i don't ever even start but well let me ask you this because well i have a i have a million questions but first i did want to mention this that in preparation for this interview I listened to the whole Mark Sterry discography, all of your albums that I could get my hands on, except for Upstart Crow. So I feel like I have an unfair, I don't have a complete comparison. So that, that actually was really enjoyable. I want to tell you that. I'm a huge, I've, I've always been your fan, but I'm even a bigger fan because I sat down and listened. And what I was going to say is, you're an amazing songwriter, and I always knew that, and I always said that to you. But how did you know? How did you know as a college kid or even as your young 20s or somebody that was trying to get your stuff in Nashville, what catapulted you to even try? How did you know you had a gift? Do you just, like, because you do and you did, but what kept you going? As someone that never found it in myself, how did you know to keep trying? Because your songs are good. College parties i would sit okay. there and i'd write these songs and and play for my friends and they liked yeah you know back in that day being the acoustic guitar songwriter guy they yep. loved that stuff yeah and we'd sit around at, it started at college house parties we'd sit there like in a living room and i'd make up these songs uh a hit song we had was called anyone that would listen from was pucker and Everclear. <laughs> i'd make up a different one every time and then so i'd play these songs and you know whatever yeah. and then i'd play all the coffee houses and yeah and uh, I think just seeing that people liked it yeah. gave me the confidence. But I've never been comfortable with lyrics um, oh. until... Uh, That's crazy for me to hear you say that because your lyricism... I I know you talked about feeling like Ryan Adams in the early albums and stuff, but I was paying attention to those lyrics and they were different. Like It was a little more wordy in those earlier albums than it was later, but all of them were very well thought out and formatted and... I think, anyway. <laughs> I think, see, it takes, like, the trial and error stuff. Sure. I think, like, the songs, like, um, what has, la what, I just got to sift through what's good and what's bad. You know, I I guess I'm tired of, I didn't like the whole stuff that was artsy-fartsy, like, back now. The, some of the songs, let's say the Catch Your Hand song, yeah. I guess, I don't know. Like the Under Early Morning Skies song is kind of a cool little story and like yeah. um, that Ghost in My Hand or Ghost in My Heart song is a straight up a straight story or whatever and and when I got artsy it just that didn't work. I didn't like that, you know. So let's talk then about Whiskey Roses then. Don't kick me 
when you got those bands, those different bands together, because we did talk about how there were different players in each one, but eventually became the Whiskey Roses, and you had three albums under that name. Yeah, three albums. Mm-hmm. All freaking kick ass, I might add. Actually, we had four. We did, uh, but, but we didn't, but the Whiskey Roses didn't start off as like country. Okay. We were like artsy rock outlaw yeah. rock. And that was the first lineup was with uh, Steve yeah. Merrow, Teddy Jack, and then okay. uh, Ryan Erickson and myself. And we would cover bands like uh, uh, Wilco, okay. Ryan Adams, The Lost Trailers, Pat Green, uh, these outlaw, artsy fartsy rock, and then outlaw country. I had a song called My Songs that my parents came and saw us the fine line. And every other word is an F-bomb. It's off the first Whiskey Roses record. I did all artsy music. It's a song called The Dark Night and a song called Deep Down You Hate Me. Uh, Steve might have a copy of that record. It was called okay. The Dark Night was our first Whiskey Roses record. Okay. And then uh, I think that's what we called it. It was real artsy and cool and whatever. And um, Then we, we started playing the fine line and stuff. And Steve wanted to go back to motorcycling and things. And I hired my brother-in-law, Sean Leith. He played acoustic, and he's a really good harmony singer. He took Steve's spot. Okay. He kept playing around. And uh, then he got, then Teddy Jack had to do something else. We got a new drummer. It's Danny Lindbergh. And uh, then that fizzled out. And then so we got, I was came to a Tim Sigler show in the cities and met Lisi. Yep. And then uh, asked if she wanted to, to play. And then so she joined. It was, so it was me, Sean Leith, Erickson, Danny, and Lisi. And it was Lisi's first band. And then um, Dan Neal came and saw us at O'Gara's one time. Okay. And then uh, wanted to be, he took me out to lunch. And the first, like, the classic lineup of the Whiskey Roses was all done at Hornish's studio in Hastings when Danny and I wanted to record this Manic Depression song. Yes. And he uh, put, he put together uh, Ben Kaplan, and then yep. we got Lisi, and then uh, Erickson was still with us then, and we uh, recorded it down at, in uh, Hastings. So it kept going with all these rock and art, uh, outlaw country songs, kind of, yes. mixed with some of the pop ones. And then that ended up being turned into a band. And we do feature, that's when your your time, we started doing the okay. showcase stuff with you guys. And yeah. And that so that first, that self-titled Mark Steering the Whiskey Roses album, that was 06, and Manic was on that. Great yeah. tune, by Thank the way. You. Dan Neal must have played on that record. Yes, he's yes. on all the Whiskey Roses records. Okay. My favorite song on that album is Fine, by the way. That's the one that I signed. Oh, that was signed. God. The one I had signed for years. That song is a killer song, Mark. Thank you. Yes. Okay, and then Ron Darius Rucker had that yeah. on hold. I don't, and I'm not surprised. I was told that, and Travis Tritt had that on hold for Category 5 records. Wow. And at least this is what I was told. Yeah. Because they didn't, publishing companies don't want to tell you what's going on because people, like, will quit your job and call them 24-7, and likely it's going to fall through, you know? Yeah. But this is what I was told. Okay. I'm not surprised. It's a killer song. Well, thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. And so I uh, I met Travis Tritt, and he was just like a zombie, so I didn't even ask him about <laughs> Was he really? Yeah, he was like, just, then he went on stage and he was incredible. Like, I met him. I thought he was like a mannequin. I mean, you know, I don't know, whatever. 
Okay, so then Raunchy Tonk came out, which, by the way, I think it might be my favorite Whiskey Roses album. Really? I love it. From start to finish. Love This Life, Your Boyfriend. Couple of my favorites. Yep, that Love This Life, I played that for a zillion weddings. Still do. Beautiful Um, song. So Love This Life song, you can hear, see, I get this cool song, and then I try to slide in the country shit for the publishing people like okay, the yeah. bird dog i don't have a bird dog yeah. <laughs> i don't listen to patsy klein <laughs> i thought it was cute and i like it too it was cool but uh the outlaw ones <laughs> i really liked and they're like dan neal's rocking chair and like yeah uh, that was super great um and during when raunchy Tonk came out we had another audition at capitol records with i brought me Daniel, Lisi, and Erickson. Okay. And those guys came with me all the time to Nashville and played. And um, What a thrill for them, too. Oh, it was fun. They yeah. almost get arrested every single time. <laughs> <laughs> but it was definitely a lot of fun. Danny and I went for years and years. And Bum Dingo was Whiskey Roses as well. Bum Dingo? See, that was a side band. Oh. Um, I, I had a, during this time, I started a little side band I called Bum Dingo, which is named I after. I that. Um, I'm from Turtle Lake, Wisconsin, so uh, uh, outside of town by my grandma's house, all these bums would come in the railroad tracks, <laughs> and they would sit there in this hole in the ground by the railroad tracks, and they'd drink. Well, they'd play. The romantic in me is they'd sing and play music and hang out. My dad just says they just sat there and drank. <laughs> and then they'd get up and they'd she knock on right. people's doors, and the, the cops would call it, that's the old bum dingo. And so this is all my friends around the city's musicians. And so it was a bunch of dirtball musician friends of mine. It was Steve Wold, me, Damon Harp, Damon Holter, Erickson again, of course. Um, and so I just called it Bum Dingo because we were a bunch of dirtball musicians. And so I had I had the Whiskey Roses core band, like Dan Neal, Erickson, me, and Ben record the basic tracks. And I had, oh, Dan uh, Fretland on the horns. And so when I had all these yeah, other guys horns. come in and play. That was fun. That album, and I, I'm probably wrong because I was wrong about the Bodines in, in the first, in Memory Music Rewind, but this album to me struck me as one of your happier albums. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, wow, I had one right. But yeah, I, I, it just seemed like happy kind of from start to finish. So 2009 must have been a good year for you. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that's the album I get asked for the most. Okay. I still play probably... I, like I get it. requested almost all those songs, almost every week at Pub Forty Two. I did um, like the song "Happy" and "Got It So Right." Both of those really, I loved both of yep, those. Yep, both. That's another wedding one that "Got It So Right" one. I was doing a Lionel Richie thing. <laughs> <laughs> the G and then a B something chord was C something chord and loop it. <laughs> I but liked it. Happy is one of my favorite ones that's too. That's a great one. I, I that's probably one of my favorite albums. Like, uh, that's your favorite, probably. Yeah. That's yeah. good to know. The okay. one I, if like I ask people in the podcast if I can give you can give one album to yep. somebody, it'd be definitely Bumding. That would be the one. That's my favorite one. So, do uh, we want to talk about White Knuckle Life on this part two, or do we need to move on to part three? No, let's talk about it this time. Okay, so this one felt super different to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was synthesizers, keyboards, one cut and run. Don't you say that you don't want me? Don't believe that you don't love me? Don't you try to tell a lie? It's written plain as day there in your eyes. You don't want to cut and run, neither do I. I, I. 
sounded like Abba. Favorite. It was a that's, great tune. That's the only, I get asked for that all the time. It's a that's, great song. That's the one keeper off that record. And then uh, the song. Uh, oh, Copper Bell is cute. That's the intro to the podcast. Oh, yes, it is. That's the intro to the podcast. All, all, all the podcast too. music, that's all off White Knuckle Life. Yeah. Like, yep. the in, like the intro and outro, stuff like that. And thinking about summer. That was our biggest hit we ever had. I recorded Great that before. Song. Um, that charted at number nine. Wow. On Beachfront Radio. And we beat Zach Brown and Jimmy Buffett. Come on, that Mark. Song. That's and I still awesome. get asked for it all the time. And the song Tata Tequila did, too, with uh, on Bum Dingo. That did real well, Tata, too. Yes, okay. Um, and then the song, uh, so I guess the White Knuckle Life had the most songs that did anything for me. Yeah. Then I had uh, that Heg Strand's a killer on there. I like wrestling, you know, whatever. Yeah. That was featured on the Colt Cabana podcast. Which is one of the biggest podcasts in the world, especially at the time. Um, that was a huge thrill for me is to to be on that show. Heck yeah! And uh, he gave me a big plug, and that's uh, that's one of my heroes to start this podcast, Cole Cabana. So that record did pretty good for me, I think. At White Knuckle Life, I did it all on my own iPad, except for the Thinking About Summer song. I did that down at Hornets with Ben Kaplan, Johnson. And uh, me, I think it's just us three. Is that your first album that you did in pretty much on your own? Mm-hmm. Okay. Like the Bum Dingo one, and that it was like kind of disbanding of the Whiskey Roads. It's called. I had another version of them with Phil and Jake, and uh, you know we played for a little while there, and then uh, I then I focused doing on the Nashville. So I went back to Nashville for a number of years to do the whole uh, um, songwriter stuff for Barbara Cloyd at the Bluebird Cafe, and that was a whole nother chapter of my songwriting stuff down in Nashville where I got to play for Disney and these huge record labels and stuff. Wow. And then they that trashed me. That's when I, that's my bad taste of Nashville came in the second half part of my, my uh What year was that? There. That had been... I mean, that album came out in 2015. After, way after Bon Dingo, it'd be... Between 2009 and two, 2015? Yeah, before right before Johnson started, when I I quit doing the Nashville gimmick. Okay, so I mentioned a bunch of songs that I liked in the Whiskey Roses album, and I'm gonna tell you, remind them, give them to you again, and you can pick the one story behind the song. Okay. okay? So from Whiskey Roses albums, here are my favorites: Manic. I loved Manic. Fine. Huge fan of Fine. Love this life. Your boyfriend. Happy. Got it so right. I kind of wish you'd pick fine, but you get to pick whatever you want. Yes. (laughs) I wrote it sitting in a porch in a meth house in Hudson. (laughs) That was in the Hudson house you wrote that? I wrote it, yeah. Amazing. Literally a a meth house and then uh, uh, sat in the porch probably smoking a cigarette. Well, it inspired uh, greatness. uh, Yeah, it was signed by Publishing Can Be Forever. And then uh, that's always been a great song. I love that song. Love that song. um, I haven't heard it or played it in years. but You should. So let's play fine. Let's do fine. All right. Here ends part two. We'll be back for part three. Thanks for tuning into the Mark Story Podcast. Uh.
Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for a new podcast about life and times and the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. This is a listener-supported podcast, so if you'd like to get on board, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. If you enjoyed some of the musical edits on the show, please head on over to your local record store or do some digging on iTunes and load up on some new songs. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It could be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go have some fun. Till next time. Step onto the front porch to light a Tell me to tell me.